And I always tell people, if you build a mile of road, you get a mile of road. If you build a mile of rail, you get a mile of rail. If you build a mile of a runway, you get the world. Welcome to Kelowna Talks, where we explore the why behind the decisions that shape your city. Together, we open the curtain and dig deep into current issues, plans, and policies that come out of City Hall. Thanks for joining us as we talk about Kelowna and the topics that matter to you. Hi, everyone. I'm Bob Evans, Partnership Director at the City of Kelowna and host of our Kelowna Talks podcast. I acknowledge that our community is located on the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Silks, Okanagan people. Normally a busy hub, Kelowna International Airport became pretty quiet when travel was suddenly in the rearview mirror with the onset of COVID-19 in early 2020. It's been a long two years. As we start to consider travel again and welcome back more flights to YLW, we take a look at what's really happening at the airport and just how important YLW is to the Okanagan's economic recovery. Today, we are talking to Sam Samadar, our airport director. Welcome, Sam. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Sam. Uh, what do you do when you're not at the airport? We'd like to start these things off in a little bit of a casual atmosphere. And uh, are you an AG, aviation buff? Do you like to travel? Do you, are you like done with airports when you go home? Or do you have little planes you play with on your desk? Or tell us about yourself. Sure, I'd love to. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, my love for aviation uh, grew at a very, very young age. And you can say it's in my blood. I traveled when I was two months old uh, from England uh, to Africa, where I was born in England, and certainly um, developed a huge passion for aviation. My grandfather used to take me out uh, uh, to the airport in Africa to go and uh, look at airplanes. I built airplane models and then joined Air Cadets when I was 12. I got my private pilot's license at 17. Oh, so you're, yeah. you're, you're like, so yeah, a pilot. Yeah, so, cool. And um, eventually uh, got to uh, a position where uh, I was in the aviation business. And uh, so it's a it's a very keen interest. It's something that uh, I've had all my life. And they say in the aviation business is once you get the smell of jet fuel, you just, uh, just don't are hooked for life. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. So it's uh, you... you, you uh, it's been part of your DNA for, for well, your actual DNA. <laughs> Absolutely has been, for sure. So thinking back to February 2020, what was it like watching all of this unfold from with someone who's in an intimate perspective on travel? Well, you know, uh, by the time we got to mid-March, we had lost uh, 95% of our traffic in three short weeks. And so when you look at your business plan and you know that uh, the cornerstone of your business plan is commercial aviation and the movement of passengers uh, uh, throughout uh, the system, we had to rework very, very quickly how we were going to survive uh, this pandemic. And at the time, you know, we thought that we were in, into this for the short term, uh, not the long term. And so uh, we, we redid our business plan, uh, reworked uh, obviously our cost structure, uh, had to rework uh, things like uh, our capital investment and what we were going to do and how we were going to proceed with that. And uh, in that first year, we probably reworked our business plan three times. Um, so it was a very certainly a very, very difficult time. Uh, fortunately, you really, none of us really knew what the what the window was and how long this was going to last. And so you had to really pivot. Yeah. And as a as a business entity, you know, you look at cash flow. 
you have to look at how you're going to preserve that cash flow uh, over the longer term. So we had to make some very, very serious decisions on how we uh, maintain the business. And of course, as an airport, you just don't get to shut down and close the doors. You have to maintain the business from a regulatory perspective and uh, meet all the obligations in that manner. But also we had other kinds of activities such as cargo flights, uh, medevac, uh, be available for other emergencies. And so you just don't get to just shut down the business. Right. So what have we learned through the pandemic? It's kind of a big question, but I, you know, what's, what's your takeaway as, a, as, a, as the leader at the airport? Well, we, we know how to manage risk. You know, we, we, uh, we are in a business that has uh, lots of moving pieces to it, and we understand how to manage risk. We certainly added the biohealth pieces, uh, to ensure that the safety of the traveling public uh, and uh, our our staff that work on the campus, uh, we knew we had to we had to do that, and we put in a lot of measures actually before they were even regulated or mandated by government. So when we look at the the business of aviation, which is a global business, and we look at our airline partners as well as the airport partners, we had put in measures. We had looked at best practices. We'd worked with the World World Health Organization, and had actually mandated those practices. Uh, into our facilities uh, very early in the game. So we, we, we certainly have, have risen to the challenge. We understand that uh, uh, moving forward that you are going to have to ensure that you address the biohealth pieces because this isn't the, the, the first pandemic we've had and it won't be the last. And so how do we protect the industry uh, as, a, uh, as a network that moves uh, people around the globe? And whether we like it or not, uh, Aviation is a vehicle for transmission, and so we have to look at how do we protect the future of our industry, but also the safety of uh, the people using our services. No, fair enough. And a few more questions on on COVID, and then we're going to move on, hopefully, to uh, to the future. I to the future. Um, it's huge financial hit on the on the airport during this time, and uh, you've mentioned that. And and I'm not sure if everybody understands what the economic contribution is of our airport to our economy. Can you address that and let us let, let our listeners know what, uh, you know, how you'd like to talk about the, the, the positive aspect of, of the economic connection? Yeah, you know, the one thing that people will learn from uh, COVID and its aftermath is actually the economic impact the airport has on the broader community. So, you know, we are an economic engine and a catalyst uh, for the communities that we serve. And when you look at uh, a catchment area of over half a million people, from Asoyas to Salmon Arm uh, to the East Kootenays, in terms of that's the catchment area that we serve, that you see that there's a tremendous impact on what the airport provides uh, when you look at the broader business. When you look at directly, I mean, we've got 4,500 jobs invested at the airport directly, GDP of, of, of $789 million. Wow. in terms of economic output. Those are big numbers. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we are, you know, uh, we're the second busiest uh, gateway uh, into the province uh, behind uh, Vancouver. And and as such, the economic reality of what that airport does in terms of generating and off-spinning uh, business to our broader communities uh, is a critical aspect uh, of our operation. Okay. Enough of the doom and gloom. Let's uh, let's hope that COVID becomes more of a history lesson and uh, rather than an ongoing challenge. Let's talk about all the great things that are uh, that you're working on with uh, with the future and deciding on the future uh, of direction of our airport. 
I was really surprised and uh, interested as, for instance, on the new flights to Montreal. Like I can see, as you mentioned, it's a gateway for more business travelers than, than just than we previously had in the Okanagan. So I, I'm interested to find out, you know, how do we get new flights and what do you see in our future for, for connections? Because, you know, after we look at the economics and the impact, all of us are like, okay, where can I fly to next and how do I get there? And, you know, how does something like a flight to Montreal happen? I know, I know it's just not by happenstance. Let, let me uh, go back a little bit, and, okay. I, and I, th- I think it's, it's important to really talk about the history of how this airport came to uh, to being. And um, next year will mark our 75th anniversary uh, in terms of the the certification of the airport, in terms of where it sits today. When you look back to 1946 and look at the business plan that was written by the you know the political leaders and the business leaders. They basically said that if Kelowna wanted to be a community of reckoning, it had to have its own airport. And remember, the airport at the time was in Penticton, and it was a federal government airport that was used to train British Commonwealth pilots. And that's how people entered into the Okanagan as a gateway. If they wanted to fly, they flew into Penticton. The vote to make that decision and buy a land was called Dixon Ranch. It was a tobacco farm passed by six votes. To develop the airport, and and when you look at the business plan of the forefathers that helped develop this airport and establish it, there have been strategic decisions made over time that has time and time again put Kelowna and the airport to where it is today. And so, when you look at uh, the successive investments in the runway and runway extension, and I always tell people, if you build a mile of road, you get a mile of road. If you build a mile of rail, you get a mile of rail. You build a mile of a runway, you get the world. And so our global reach has increased when you look at the investments in 1990 that extended the runway from 5,300 feet to 7,300 feet. And then in 2008, an investment to extend the runway again to, to 9,000, just under 9,000 feet. These decisions were based on getting continental reach and then intercontinental reach. But WestJet would have never come to Kelowna in 1997 on 5,300 feet of runway. They chose Kelowna because we had a longer runway compared to Kamloops and and Penticton. So we saw tremendous growth when we look at uh, serving our our community, whether it's business travel or tourism. We saw tremendous growth as a consequence of that. And if you look at uh, the winter time here, for example, we have low-level clouds and the decision height was very, very high for pilots coming into the airport so that they couldn't accept the runway. When we improved the instrument landing system for the airport, the decision heights became much lower, lower altitude down to 251 feet. So again, the reliability, yeah, the reliability of the airport increased uh, dramatically. So looking forward, when we look at air service, and you know, airlines fly to many, many communities, and it's really the community that develops the business plan. Uh, we look at things like people's travel habits. We use people's postal codes. We understand where they're traveling to, where they're coming from. So we develop a business plan based on the market size. And based on that market size, we then go and pitch the airlines on air service. And so for the Montreal service, which uh, we pitched over two years ago, we went to Air Canada and said, with a brand new airplane called the Air A220, it was actually a Bombardier-built aircraft, uh, it was a perfect number of seats to serve what we call long, thin markets, which is Montreal, uh, Kelowna. And so the economics of that aircraft changed dramatically 
uh, with our business plan. And by pitching that to Air Canada, they saw the benefit of it. And it's amazing that during COVID, you have a brand new air service that was launched this summer between Montreal and, and Kelowna, which is unheard of. Uh, and so, 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 so we saw that. And uh, the Montreal market is very, very similar when you look at things, what people like to do in both directions. You know, the Quebecois, they like outdoor activities. And they like their wine. They like skiing. And they like all the outdoor activities. So it's a perfect market for like our, our market. Like yeah, and we like to go and experience uh, that uh, in, in another part of, 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 of the world and another region in Canada. So, so you develop that business plan uh, using all your assets that you have. And, of course, Kelowna has many assets. We're a Four Seasons destination. So it's very, very easy to sell what Kelowna has to offer when you go to an airline who are making huge investments into your community when they put those assets down because a, a, a cost of operating an aircraft is very, very expensive. Okay, that was a, a great spin, how you took the Montreal question and talked about history. And I, yeah. I want to unpack that a little bit more because I think it's really of interest to, to people is, is the vision that was cast 75 years ago and we can only imagine, I wasn't around Kelowna 75 years ago. I don't think you were either. So, uh, you know, for such a small community to understand the future of air travel back then, because there was not much going on. And then I, then the ongoing vision that's cast at the airport and the support that you've had from city administration and city council to achieve that and place us in such a high uh, position and regard as the what are we tenth busiest airport? Where, where do we sit? Yeah, we we sit as the as the tenth busiest airport uh, in in the country, the the second busiest uh, uh, in the, in the province. But what we have to look at is you know what do we need to do to continue to making those strategic investments and decisions? And we've had tremendous support from council. We've had tremendous support from the business community, not just within Kelowna but in the entire region. And you do that by, uh, you know, we developed uh, uh, the airport's master plan that takes us out to 2045. Uh, we had wide consultation with uh, the entire region uh, in, in developing that plan and then developing the, the strategies that go along with it, whether they're the investment strategies on, on the capital side. Uh, but one of, one of the things that we've always looked at uh, as an airport is to build our infrastructure just in time so that we're not in investing excessively or excessively in capital uh, development. But the other secret to our success has been that we've been a low-cost airport, and people don't talk about that very much. So when I so what does that what, mean, like landing yeah. fees and takeoff yeah. fees? That kind yeah, of thing? So, so when you look at um, uh, the fees that we charge directly to the airlines, for example, uh, such as landing fees and terminal fees, we're amongst the lowest in, in the country as it relates to that. When you look at uh, the AIF, the airport improvement fee, which uh, is a contribution to your capital costs, again, we're amongst the lowest in the country uh, in those costs. And when you add and bundle all those costs together, they actually get added on to the price of a ticket. And so by, by keeping our fees and charges low, and when an airline has very mobile assets, and can move them anywhere in the country, they're obviously looking at, looking for a return on their investment. And so they're going to place those assets in those communities where they feel they'll maximize uh, the return, the revenue return uh, on the asset. 
And so our, our, our fees and charges are, are very, very critical. So how are, how are you able to grow the airport, make capital improvements, but still keep those fees low? Well, there's there's this pieces uh, you know innovation that's been involved. And for example, uh, way back in uh, going back to 1995, and again that's history. Uh, we combine the services of operations with uh, firefighting. So we have what we developed was called an airport operations specialist, and they do and they do both maintenance work as well as uh, firefighting uh, for aircraft rescue. Uh, and so by combining those two disciplines together, we were the first airport in the country uh, to do that. We were able to uh, reduce our costs dramatically, but also have a labor force that is very robust, uh, that can do a, a multitude of things on our airfield that really contribute to the safe operation uh, of the airport. Okay, wonderful. So let's expand on that a bit. That's where I was going to go next, which is the um, the growth plan for the next 20 years. Um, and you mentioned the airport master plan 2045. What is the long-term vision for the airport? And uh, if we're staying on a hill, as I always like to ask the question, what am I going to see in 20 years looking at Kelowna Airport and, and hopefully going through and flying different places and physically and I guess schedule-wise? What what What's your vision? So, so if we, if we look at the long-term uh, vision, we, we're going to handle about 3.5 million passengers by 2045. So we're going to go from 2 million uh, to, to 3.5, which is you know, uh, the size of an airport like uh, Winnipeg uh, today. Okay. So what we have done is carefully map out what are the kinds of, of assets do we need to, to serve uh, the market as as we build out to 2045 and so what you'll see is things like runway extensions uh, that are built into uh, the master plan uh, the addition of a parallel taxiway to allow for the more efficient uh, movement of aircraft as you get more uh, aircraft coming and going uh, immediately we're going to expand the terminal building we know we need to do that uh, we were at capacity uh, in 2019 and um, our plans are to to initiate that next year. It'll be about a three-year build, but we have su- successive expansions of the terminal uh, already in, in our books. We've, we've worked that out in terms of how we continue to develop the uh, the terminal complex, and then with that becomes all the other ancillary services. So, uh, looking at a at a at a high-level hotel, a four or five-star hotel with a parkade attached to it, because those are amenities that uh, especially the people that are traveling on business uh, would like. And then as we go beyond that, uh, there's a whole bunch of commercial development in terms of including uh, developing an aerospace campus uh, on the airport as well, uh, which will look at uh, further development of our east lands um, to allow that to occur. So additional fueling facilities, uh, fixed base operations, uh, allow for um, more corporate uh, executive aircraft uh, to operate through the airport and provide all those kinds of amenities, as well as continuing to grow the aerospace hub uh, that we have. And you know, one of the one of the things that we haven't talked about is that we actually have the largest private employer. I was going to ask you. So KF with, Aerospace. With KF Aerospace. Going, yeah. And you know, a little known fact is that they're the longest privately held aerospace company in Canada, which is a, an amazing feat for a couple of people who started their business out of the you know the, their backseat. Of their of their car, um, and so th- the opportunity to continue to grow that business and complement it with other aerospace businesses on the airport is something that we see is important 
So uh, that's been a huge attraction and a catalyst for other spin-off industries at the airport or what uh, what well, does that look like? It has because you can you can bring an aircraft anywhere from around the world uh, into this airport and have it maintained. So that that has its own set of uh, of advantage, advantages. But if you look at things like the um, uh, helicopter business and look out how, how the helicopters are deployed uh, in our community, uh, whether it's uh, backcountry skiing uh, during the winter uh, with the backcountry resorts that are set up, it's used in farming to help dry uh, cherries and, and, and things like that. Uh, and then you see it uh, with uh, on the forestry side, as well as dealing with things like uh, like forestry fires and, and and other things like that. So the helicopter is, is a machine that's used very diversely uh, in our in our region. And so uh, when you look at the repair of helicopters, things like transmissions on helicopters, those are all done for the most part done around the airport, right. and and helps build the aerospace uh, cluster. Okay, so this the 2045 master plan. Can you help us understand a little bit about, you know, you mentioned the hotel and the expanded parking and so on. So what are, what are we going to see in five years and 10 years? And what does it look like from a capital projection perspective? Yeah, so for, for the next uh, five years, the most immediate piece you'll see uh, is the hotel development. Uh, that's, that's part of that. And that's really a, a private sector venture. Uh, we're providing some support uh, services for that. Uh, but the most uh, visible piece for the public will be the expansion of the terminal building. And again, uh, using uh, things like mass timber and construction to showcase uh, uh, BC lumber products. But the other piece uh, in all of this, uh, as we look at the expansion of the airport, is look at uh, our environmental footprint. And so, you know, in terms of reduction of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, moving to electric movers of, uh, of different assets around the airports, when you look at ground handling equipment. Uh, that services aircraft and things like that. So we are we have a plan. We've we've, we've had a plan for some time that we're moving towards on the environmental side uh, to ensure as we grow the airport uh, that we also in, uh, keep that in check in terms of the environmental footprint uh, of of our facilities. Okay. Well, I think we're pretty fortunate to have you at the helm. Hopefully, you're going to be here for another uh, maybe not to 2045, but maybe. And uh, is we're we're coming to the end of our time. Is there anything that I've missed, Sam, that you would like to relay to our listeners about uh, the airport that is uh, things that we should be thinking about and considering? Yeah, I I think, you know, to be an airport of the future, you need uh, partnerships uh, with industry. You need partnerships with the community. You need uh, support from, uh, from the political side. And we've been very, very fortunate in this community uh, over time uh, that all those pieces have, have come together and those partnerships uh, continue to grow, uh, which really, uh, as, a, as a community, as someone who, who looks from the outside in, uh, can see that uh, in all aspects uh, of our business uh, that we conduct. And so I, I really believe that continuing those partnerships will help foster the growth of, of the community and the airport will be there to support uh, the community as it grows. Well, on behalf of all the people that uh, go through our airport and uh, your parents who raised you to love uh, the smell of air- airline fuel, and uh, we're happy that you're here and that you're, um, you've been at the helm for many, many years, and uh, we appreciate that, and it's great to hear the vision, and I think uh, we can look forward to greater things 
and I love the connection to industry and partnership. It's obviously dear to me, and uh, hopefully we can work together on that. And uh, thanks for coming today, and hopefully we'll all be traveling without uh, restrictions sometime in the in the future, and we can all um, you know be smiling as we go through the airport again and uh, and return back to normal. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kelowna Talks. For more conversations about topics that matter in your community, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, give us a five-star rating and share Kelowna Talks with your friends and neighbours. If you'd like more information about this podcast and other big community conversations, visit kelowna.ca slash community stories.